Things I would normally have put in my foods, I yeah. was just like, like, oh, I gotta go along with this. <laughs> so, yeah. but I, I found actually like the whole thirty diet is far more conducive to. Yep. Like I, I just it's easier to follow. It's very basic principles. It's kind of the way I ate anyway. Yeah. It's a very healthy way so, to live. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great diet. Um, yeah. Even the paleo diet has a lot yeah. of success. Very similar. Um, it's a little bit more lenient than the keto diet, but even with paleo. It's, you can't approach it as this is the way I'm eating. Most people, most people anyway, cannot approach it with, I am just paleo now and not eat the foods that you still want to eat, right? Like for me, you've probably heard of it, but I live by the 80-20 rule, okay? So for example, uh, you have roughly 21 major meals every week that you eat. Most of us do anyways. I eat a little bit more frequently than that. Um, but snacks for me are never a problem. I usually just gravitate toward healthy snacks. But if I eat 16 or 17 of those meals on point nutritionally, I genuinely don't give a shit what I eat for the other four. I will eat whatever I want for the other four. And most people will have a phenomenal amount of dietary success with that because it provides you with a leniency that you still feel good about you know, being able to have fried chicken or macaroni and cheese or whatever that is, whatever that food is that you, your, your own personal comfort food. But if you're eating healthy, you know, 80% of the time, and I'm not even talking calorie counting, just making proper nutritional choices, you will see a massively beneficial result very quickly from it. And even, and even before that, guys, too, is like just the idea if you schedule and structure out what a day is going to look like, not like meticulously, like I got to eat at 10 o'clock and I got to eat at 12 o'clock and I got to eat this, just like you have maybe like an eating window and you know what time you're going to go to bed and you know when you're going to wake up and you know when you're going to exercise. If you just have that structure laid out, the hormonal regulation that you're going to do for yourself is incredible. Because most people have all these like hormonal imbalances because they're all over the place. One night they're snacking at 10 p.m. The next night they're like, well, I'm going eat, to finish eating at 6 p.m. By that point, they have so many cravings going on because their leptin levels aren't actually like, you know, working with them. That all of a sudden, like they're super hungry at night and they have to eat something. So if you guys can even just structure out a daily schedule, like this is kind of what I'm going to fall under, right? I'm going to start eating at 8 a.m. I'm going to stop eating at 7 p.m. I'm going to sleep at 10 p.m. I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m. And you make that like a non-negotiable, which again, when you have that non-negotiable in there, it makes your life a lot easier because then you know, okay, I need to take care of the kids at this time. I need to go to the gym at this time. I need to get home by this time. I need to like stop using my phone by this time. Like we have these little cues now that I'm, I'm doing a program with people right now. They're on their fourth week and it's hard. Like I, I literally laid all this stuff out for them. It's a, it's a case study for me to kind of get information on, to see how they're doing with it. And it's just fun to see how like difficult this can be. But if you break it down, Maybe your first week, you guys, you start off with just like, hey, I'm going to eat between this hour and this hour. And then next week, I'm going to go to bed at this time. Slowly but surely, these things become habitual. And over time, then you start regulating your hormones. And it becomes easier because you're not having cravings at night. And all of a sudden, you're not hungry at times you shouldn't be hungry at. And then the diet can like, we're going to still throw the diet in what we're talking about. But if you're doing the diet without this crazy, if you're all over the place, you're still eating 10 p.m. and you're up at 4 and you're going to bed at 12 it's going to be hard to lose weight. It's going to be really hard to feel energized and fulfilled when you're all over the place. So like that's probably the one of the basic things I'll always tell people right off the bat. Figure out your sleep schedule. Figure out your eating schedule. Figure out when you're waking up. 
figure out when you're gonna exercise, have these things routinely based out for you guys so your life just becomes easier. It's one less thing for you guys to have to think about. So you're not rushing around your house at night and you're looking for things to eat or not eat and then you're doing the most convenient thing which is emotional rather than logical and that just leads to a you know, storm of, of bad decisions. So you know, make that schedule an eight. Uh, really try to program that self for yourself and it'll be so much easier for yourself. I think one of the problems too, um, uh, and I'll, I won't speak on behalf of everyone around the table, but I think there'll probably be some agreement. I mean, obviously for for us who spend like a fair bit of time in our cars, on the road, yeah. Um, yeah. on the road, traveling in airports, hotels, in hotels yeah. all of that. I mean, I think you have the best intentions of wanting to. You know, for me, I can go the better part of the day without eating, yeah. and then realize I haven't eaten, and then that's when I'll be like everything right and then like have like a bottle of wine <laughs> so. yeah yeah that's where prep comes in yeah. like i'm a massive advocate like you know, it takes time but that will save you time but you if know? you're on the road i get that yeah so when you're when when you're on the road um so i did a few months ago i did a bunch of instagram posts because i had uh this question actually came up quite a bit and so what I did was I went around to different fast food restaurants. Like I went to McDonald's, uh, I went to Wendy's, I had, I skipped Burger King because that was a tough one to do. Um, I had Pita Pit, I had, I, there was I think seven of them that I did. And my sole intention was to show people that you can walk into McDonald's, not eat an optimal meal, but you can eat a healthy meal, right? So one of the hardest things that we have to do if you want to make some changes in your diet is shut off that part of our brain that, as Brandon said, is driven by emotion. We have emotional connections, whether we know it or not, to a lot of foods that we eat. We go into a restaurant and we see something and go, that's what I want, right? So for me, I still have that, but I go, that's what I want, but that's what I'm going to have. Right, And I know that sounds so simple and silly to say, but you can eat healthy nowadays in virtually any restaurant that you go into. So in McDonald's, for example, I went in, I, had, uh, I got them to make me an Angus burger patty, which is essentially the purest beef you can get out of McDonald's. It beats the hell out of like a hamburger patty that they use, right? At least it's real meat. Uh, and then I got them to put it in a lettuce wrap, and then I had a side salad. And it was the same price as the regular combo, and I got it with a bottle of water. Now I know that's not a fun meal to eat at McDonald's, but it was good. It was still a burger. It satisfied my craving for a burger that day, right? Wendy's has a whole slew of salads that are decent. You go into restaurants, the best thing that you can pick is some type of grilled or baked meat with vegetables, and if you want some type of carbohydrate, I am not an anti-carb guy. I eat a ton of them every day. But you have to be aware of where they're coming from, right? The first thing that I do when I help people plan a new diet, because if you ask 10 different dietitians, nutritionists, trainers, they will give you 10 vastly different <laughs> dietary ideas. Right, everybody's got some idea of why they're, I, you know, they're, and, and usually, in all honesty, usually it's some guy who's 23 years old who's just jacked because he was a football player, and he's like, "Yo, this is what I eat," yeah. right? And you're looking at him going like, 
that's not what I'm going to eat. You know, like how long do you guys travel for? Like, what's your travel schedule? You guys, is it like one? Like, when you when you fly out, come back that day, the next day, sometimes, sometimes, four days, sometimes. three days. Yeah, because like three to four. If so, you are, but make take one thing out at a time. Okay, don't make drastic changes to your diet. The reason why I asked Sloan earlier or asked the room if anybody had tried the keto diet is because most people who have tried it failed miserably at it. And maybe Sloan's experience was different, but most people, they fail right away. The reason being, you're removing too much at once for most people to even comprehend. If somebody tells you today, they're like, hey, I could have you down 30 pounds by the end of November. All you gotta do is get rid of dairy, get rid of wheat, limit your carbs, no booze, no coffee, let's go. You're gonna be like, no, not a chance. Because at least two of those things, you're like, I'm not doing that. I'm not getting rid of coffee, there's no way. I'm not getting rid of booze on Fridays and Saturdays, like there's no way, right? So take one thing out at a time. Step one, as an experiment into a new dietary process, remove dairy from your life. Okay? Remove any dairy that you buy at a local grocery store, whether that's milk, whether that's, and I'll say it now because I'm going to get this question, what about Greek yogurt? Nope, it's dairy. Any dairy that you have in your life, if you want to make a very progressive dietary decision, take it out of your diet, especially as women. Because it affects your hormonal structure way more than it does men. It will affect your estrogen and progesterone levels and it's been shown to raise testosterone levels in women. Right, so that hormonal imbalance, awful. It creates inflammation in the body through the dietary, or through the digestional process and it does nothing but harm to us. If you are going out and you are the one who is buying grass-fed organic dairy, it is better. Without a doubt, it's better. Yeah, no shoot. Yeah, no idea because I always drink my whole life. But would you recommend is like soy and almond milk and coconut milk and all those things? Are they can still consider dairy. They're not considered dairy. No, they'd be a dairy alternative. Soy milk, though. Uh, yeah, absolutely. If you're going to do it, though, drink almond milk over soy milk. Yeah, soy milk. Yeah, soy milk for women is is probably just as bad as, as standard dairy is. Yeah, soy milk is awful for females. Yeah. Oh, okay. Men tolerate it a lot more, but even for men, it's a soy is not in the volume that you consume in like soy milk and soy replacement products. It's why a lot of a lot of people who are vegan, for example, a lot of women who are vegan still suffer from hormonal issues. Because there's so much soy in vegan meat alternatives. Yeah. That's right? true for children too, right? Because my like for anybody, yeah. The moment my kids were born, my doctor said stay away from milk. So my kids have never really drank. For anybody, yeah. Through the digestion, our our milk is it's our milk in Canada, for example, is better than the states. It's nowhere near as good as it is in some of the other developed countries of the world. We have pretty shitty quality milk in Canada, right? So even organic milk, it's the same thing. It's grass fed is better. But still, the way that our body metabolizes dairy, it creates a lot of inflammation in the body. I have seen people, not a word of a lie, who suffered from horrible like joint issues where you know they had brutal tennis elbow, for example, something like that, and it's just prolonged 
and it's consistently a problem in their life. And by removing dairy, it didn't fix the problem, but it alleviated a great deal of the pain because it's almost like removing it almost act like you taking an Advil or an anti-inflammatory because we consume a lot of dairy on a daily basis. Most of us do in this country, right? The second thing to go would be wheat. I would just take it out if you can. There's so many good gluten-free alternatives, but on that note too, and my wife has celiac disease, so we don't have wheat in our house. It's, you know, it's like arsenic in our kitchen. We can't, we can't have it. It can't be on the counters. It can't be anywhere. So 10 years ago, 12 years ago, before gluten-free products are what they are today, we were eating gluten-free products when everything was made out of brown rice flour and just tasted like a sponge, right? But what you need to realize, how many people, is anybody, does anybody in here eat essentially a gluten-free diet? No? Okay, sometimes. What you want to realize when it comes to, in terms of weight management, most gluten-free alternatives, although maybe they might be the healthier option of the two, they're no less damaging to weight management than wheat is, right? So you take a look at a a gluten-free, you know, even take a look at like a corn tortilla versus a wheat tortilla, right? Which is a pretty standard replacement nowadays in most restaurants. The carb volume or the carb load is virtually identical. There's no less carbs in the corn tortilla. Yeah, there's no gluten in it, but at the same time, it's just a giant piece of corn, which is a crop in Canada, which is massively overproduced and sprayed with just tons of pesticides and is a bad thing to eat, right? I'm not saying every once in a while, don't go for tacos, but every day that you can eat from the earth as much as possible. If any part of your meal has been processed in any way, it is not ideal, right? So a tortilla, for example, processed, even a corn one. Yes, it's mainly corn, but at some point in time, unless you made it yourself in the kitchen from grinding dried corn, somebody had to put additives in there, usually gums or some type of binary agent to press that thing and make it into a tortilla. Right? So when in doubt, eat from the earth. So that would just be simply fruits, vegetables, nuts, eggs, meats, spices, herbs, anything. Right? Kind of goes back to what we were saying before where you're a a human that was designed many thousands of years ago. Which again, sounds like a long time, but we have not evolved enough to be able to tolerate the food that we eat. Right? Our bodies were designed to eat whatever we found or whatever we hunted, right? It's kind of the concept behind the paleo diet. I'm a little bit more forgiving or lenient with a lot of my clients because I think there, there are things that the paleo diet doesn't allow that are beneficial for the body, but eat from the earth as much as you possibly can, right? What and about, the, um, um, the like plant-based diet and sort of plant-based proteins. Like proteins and stuff? um... There was a really cool study uh, that a guy named Dr. Christian Rodriguez just did uh, recently on specifically protein qualities. And there's a lot of studies, but a lot of these are funded by like research companies that are basically back-ending their own study. So it's really hard to find adequate representation of, of what you're looking at. 
um, what he found, his was a, a totally independent study. Now, he, he called and basically asked for the CODs from every one of these. I think there were 87 different protein manufacturers that he called and asked for the CODs from. And that is just essentially a breakdown of everything that is in that protein. The main problem with a lot of them is heavy metals, which are found in a lot of proteins. Now, in particularly in plant-based proteins, just because of the refinement process, there is a massive presence of heavy metals in them which again, for women, unfortunately, it, you're affected by it a lot more than men are. So heavy metals are linked to a, a whole slew of neurological issues, to mental health disorders, and they are very closely linked. It's not, you know, this may happen to one in a million. It's we know that heavy metals are linked to higher rates of autism in our children, higher rates of Alzheimer's disease, higher rates of uh, any autoimmune disease, and so to answer your question, in a lot of plant-based proteins, even though we think we are making a healthier choice, the quality of the protein is not great. The absorption ratio between uh, plant-based and wheat or uh, whey-based proteins, for example, are, uh, is, is quite a lot lower. A lot of studies have shown that your body just doesn't absorb, synthesize, and use as much of a plant-based protein as it does of a whey protein. Now, that's not to say that they're any less beneficial on that note alone, because you could just take a little bit more of them. But plant-based proteins, I think there is a misconception nowadays that by buying a vegan protein, you are making a healthier choice. And that is not the case. It is, it is absolutely not true. In fact, a lot of the plant-based proteins out there are crap. Um, if anybody is curious, is, is anybody a vegan? Is it, do we have vegans in here? No? No, but I buy vegan protein. Is it bad for me? Now I'm like, well, down. If you, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you guys, uh, oh, I'm gonna send Sloan an email that kind of like touches on some of the main points that we have here. Uh, and then you guys are more than welcome to contact Brandon and I and ask us any questions that you have. I have a list of uh, the five best quality vegan proteins that you can go out and buy. Um, and if you're curious as to which one, yeah. And a lot of the big name brands are the worst ones as you probably expect. One of the ones that failed the test miserably is one called Isogenics. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Yeah, so miserably failed the test, like off the charts in heavy metals. And so that was, you know, it, and that's one that so many people use as a weight loss tool. And yeah, it's gonna help you lose weight if you're only eating 800 calories a day and all your drinking or protein shakes, yeah, you're absolutely going to lose weight. We buy because we don't eat pork, and whey has pork proteins in it, right? Because, like, it's got a lot of, like, like, pig bone and all of that. A lot of whey companies nowadays, though, do not. They don't have many additives. So there's one, uh, if you're going to, and I'm not saying that whey, I use, honestly, I use cricket protein. That's what I use because it's an organic source. It is literally crickets from British Columbia that are caught in the wild. Uh, and then farmed, and then, yeah, they're dried out. There you go. They're, they're dried out, grounded up, and then uh, cacao is added to it. Monk fruit extract is used as the sweetener, and it's a phenomenal protein source. So I'm not a huge whey guy. If you are going with whey proteins, um, does anybody in here take protein supplementation doesn't yeah so if you are going to go with a whey protein the best version that you can buy is definitely a whey isolate first of all because there's two types of whey proteins there's whey and then there's whey isolate so and what the, all that means is essentially in milk which whey is derived from whey is whey is a dairy source essentially right so whey comes from milk there's two types of protein in milk there's something called whey and then there's something called casein 
casein is usually what lactose intolerant people react to. So many people who are lactose can actually tolerate whey. It's not looked at as being modern dairy. So for example, the, what we're, it is a little bit more inflammatory than some of the vegan proteins, but if you don't have inflammation issues, it's not enough of an inflammatory agent to worry about. Um, but again, might not be the best protein source in the world, but it is an adequate source of protein and it is a fairly healthy one. So just make sure you're getting a whey isolate, particularly one that was manufactured in New Zealand because they have probably the highest uh, standard of like livestock maintenance on planet Earth. And one last thing, guys, travel. I want to go back to traveling for a second because I like Matt's suggestion. If you're going to go to these fast food restaurants to get a healthy option, unfortunately for me, I hate the idea of willpower and to go in there when you're having a stressful day and be like, I wanna do that one, it can be a bit tricky, right? Your best bet from, from my experience with traveling for like three or four days at a time, that first day I land, I go to a grocery store and I stock up on food. I get healthy, organic options that are gonna last me three to four days. And usually we have a fridge or something like that in the hotel. Oh, God, yeah. If you have those foods around, you're gonna eat them, right? Yeah. When you don't, and you're gonna go downstairs, you're gonna get something fast. You might be in a rush that morning, so you're gonna grab a muffin or a donut or something shitty for yourself, or, or you're just gonna do coffee and you're not gonna eat for the first five hours of the day. Force yourself and force your hand by having this stuff ready for you. That's the best way to make sure you don't have decision fatigue, make sure you're not kind of like overwhelmed with what should I eat, is this the best option, then get to a fast food restaurant, and then it's like, all right, let's have willpower kick in right now. It's a very dangerous game at times. So if you can, the best, I, I like to hack my environments. I like to eliminate that uh, possibility of positive or negative. My best suggestion, just load up on food for four days, have it all there for you, a breakfast, a lunch, a dinner, some, some snacks, trail mix, and you're kind of set up. Okay, so if you do that day one, you're kind of set up for the next three, four days. Then if you have to, you're on the road. Yeah, then definitely apply Matt's options because again, it's going to be the uh, next next best thing for you. I think that's a good idea, just even snacks alone. Yeah, absolutely. And guys, stuff that holds like. Quick like Sloan's saying too, probably like fats are gonna give you energy longer. They're gonna sustain you. They're not gonna go right through your system. Then all of a sudden, like, or you have like a low glycemic carbohydrate. is a good one too, right? You have these proteins that are gonna obviously sit with you a little bit longer rather than just get you grab a muffin for example or a bagel. Those things are gonna go right through you, and all of a sudden, an hour later, you're, you're hungry. hungry. Yeah. And then you're wondering, like, I just had a bagel, right? So if you have these little snacks that are healthy that are gonna sustain you for a longer period of time, then we'll take you right to dinner, and you're good to go. Do you have like some advice just around? Because um, I like the idea of meal, meal prep mm-hmm. when I can find the time to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does help for sure. But then I just get sidetracked with it and whatever. But that's just maybe me. But <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Do you do you have like any tips? Any I'll, pick a, I'll pick a day. Like I'll make it like if you have a day that you're like, it's kind of my reset day where I can, you know, take care of a few things, get the car washed, clean the house make that your meal prep hour and a half. Like it's, it's gonna be an hour and a half and you're gonna be good to go. Like I can make a quinoa for the whole week within 20 minutes, right? It's a good quinoa salad, that, that's my carbohydrate for the week right there. And you might wanna have two different things because you're not like Brandon who wants to eat the same carbohydrate every single day. But then I'll have my chicken cooking while I'm doing that. Within an hour and a half, I have like three, four meals made for my week and I'm good to go. And that's something, and I can still, like while I'm doing that, while I'm cooking the chicken, I can still do other stuff in the house. You can still take care of your family and do other things, right? So, because again, to go, I'm say I'm going to come home every night. I'm going to meal prep. It's not going to happen, guys. We're not. We're we're not going to do it. No. Who is who has kids in here? Yeah. Meal yeah. For a yeah. So it's brutal, right? I I have three kids. Um, I have three kids, so I can tell you a little bit about like what we do in our house. Because uh, again, my wife is uh, she's a, a holistic, an educated holistic nutritionist, um, and obviously doing what I do, nutrition is a big focus in our house. 
Um, our kids, one of the things I pride myself most on is that our kids will literally eat anything. Um, they're not, we don't even have one of them that's the least bit picky. And that's because we've exposed them to, uh, I think, the right foods in the right ways throughout their young lives. Um, one of the things that I do, I'm, I'm a big advocate of eggs, for example. I get free-range eggs because they are a little bit better. The nutrient value in them is a little bit higher. But um, one thing that takes me virtually no time at all uh, is I will, every Sunday, I will pan fry in avocado oil like 12 to 18 eggs. And then I have little pieces of tin foil that I let them cool on. I package them up, I put them in the fridge, and then every day for the next five days when I go to work, I grab a package out of the fridge. It contains three eggs, four eggs sometimes. For you guys, it might be two, right? But I'll throw it in the microwave for 15 seconds, and I eat it in the car on the way to work. I literally eat it like you would eat a cookie. It's just a fried egg. They're not greasy because I use very little oil, and that's something that saves me so much time. Another thing that we do, uh, we will go and because we're we're feeding five people, and as my wife says, I eat for four. Um, <laughs> but so our food budget, we have to be fairly cognizant of how much money we spend every month on food because we spend a lot on food. My kids are big eaters. I'm a big eater. My wife, uh, for a person her size, is a fairly big eater. So we have our specific you know grocery route. Uh, that we have. I live in Winona, which I'm sure means nothing to a lot of you, but I, uh, it, it's basically halfway between uh, Hamilton and Niagara. Okay, so I'm only about 20, 25 minutes away from the border. So I do a lot of shopping in the States because you can find really healthy products at a way cheaper price even after the conversion of the dollar than we do in Canada. So that's something that we do as a family, and it's fun. The kids like to do it. We get to cross the border. We take them to some fun park or whatever while we're in the States, and we do it. But then we'll come home and I will pick things like roasts, for example. Uh, I will pick things like big pieces. If I'm, if I'm going to have steak, for example, I will buy four pounds of it because you can get it at a cheaper cost per pound typically than you can if you're buying individually packaged meat. And I will cook it all and we will use the other half of that two to three days later. It keeps and it's perfectly fine. Like you do not have to be thawing meat out every morning in your sink so when you get home it's ready to go. Cause that's really difficult to do. And when you don't have something prepared, that's when you buy crap, right? It really is. So that's what Brandon's idea of putting food in the fridge on the road. Great idea because you're gonna eat it. Once you eat it, you're full. You're not thinking about buying, making a bad choice. But so we will come home and we will have you know steak from two nights earlier but plenty to feed all of us and then all we have to do is maybe you know boil some vegetables or roast something right or i'll just throw vegetables on the grill and we literally have dinner made in 10 to 12 minutes because we already have the main part of it cooked right so we'll cook one day for two or three days and if you're somebody who doesn't and i don't mind uh, some people do, but if you're somebody who doesn't mind eating the same thing two to three days in a row, it makes it really easy. Like we'll buy a big roast, we'll roast it on Sunday, and then for Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we're eating a roast. But my wife will get creative with it sometimes, so she'll take the leftover roast and she'll just chop it up and throw it in a stir fry, something like that. So then on day three, we're having a stir fry, which is just, you know, we do it with sweet potato noodles, uh, just a whole boatload of vegetables and whatever leftover meat we have. Um, and, and that it, it helps immensely. It really does. Like it helps. Like I, I wouldn't eat as healthy as I did if I had to cook for myself every day. If I had to come up with a dinner idea every single day, I can tell you what I would resort to. It's right? the trouble. 
Absolutely. Yeah. You can bring food. You can bring food on the airport. Like I like I've been known to bring like five chickens on the airport. Five, five chickens. No, yeah. Five chickens. But I would I, I would chickens in a tree. I would do I would do business trips right where I was working in New York or Dallas and I'd bring like five hamburgers, five chicken breasts, and like that lasted me the week. I didn't want to spend money. I was cheap as shit, and I didn't want to eat like crap. So and again, random like, reason yeah. on airplanes is personal health animals, and then when he gets to his destination, <laughs> he just takes personal, yeah, yeah, personal support. It's my personal support chicken. Yeah, only bag for that. But again, you can do that. I'm just saying. So don't think like they're gonna look you through your thing. Like apples and protein, but now I would like. You know, you another eggs, another thing that uh, so many might help too, you know which. Awesome? Sorry, yep. I totally cut you off. Uh, I said sorry. I this was so awesome. You said, no, no, it's awesome. It better be awesome. Um, Costco <laughs> has like these meal prep containers that you can buy. Yep. They come in like a package of 40 of them. Oh, cool. And yep. they're I've so worth it. Like yeah. they're like the black, but they're like, and then they have the different, um, sections, sections in them and mm. they're totally reusable and they're so like, they're so worth it. We just yeah. like, well, me, me, <laughs> when I do prep. Yeah. Cause I really enjoy cooking. Like that would be the other thing that, I love doing that, so I get to do If that, you do, and that's yeah. part, like, for some people, cooking is their outlet, right? So they love to come home from work and cook because it's their time and they get to be creative. But for a lot of us, like, a lot of people don't like cooking. The last thing they want to do is come home from work at 6.30 p.m. and, you know, have a husband who's sitting on the couch going, like, what's for dinner? And, and you know, but it, it happens, and a lot, like, a lot of men cook nowadays but a lot of them don't so unfortunately in a lot of households it falls on the mother or the wife and that's bs but it it does so when you have a mother of three for example that comes home from work then takes her kid to soccer then has to come home or worry about dinner in between that that's it's really hard to to get something right or get something nutritional for dinner in that period of time Right? It's awful. You come home at six o'clock, you're like, oh, I gotta have a seven thirty, gotta feed four people before I'm out the door and you just and then you just scramble and you cook whatever you have to cook. And that also goes back like you having that convenient food allows you to do your photography, allows you to paint. Like th- those are like the things that we're trying to like implement as well, guys. Like, this isn't just about like eating healthier, this, that. It's like so you have more time for yourself, right? When you eliminate that rush around where it's all about, you know, taking care of your kids and you know, all that stuff, you know have time for yourself right and doing this just one more hack to your environment that allows you to live a more fulfilling life right one of the and before uh, we wrap up but i was going to say we eat a lot of turkey in our house too um where you know most people don't eat turkey any other day but christmas right and but we we do all the time like we'll buy a turkey because it's so cheap when it's not christmas time like you can go and like you can always find a grocery store that has it on for like a buck fifty a pound or something like that and then we'll just roast a turkey, which isn't all that much work once you do it a few times. And then we just chop it up and my wife will literally freeze it already pre-cooked so that when we come home, like all she has to do is, or in the morning she throws it in a crock pot or at night she'll throw it in the oven. Or, or There's a million different ways you can, you can eat it. But it really, it's a, it's a massive help. It's a pretty healthy food. They're usually healthy ra- or healthily raised animals. Uh, in this part of our province anyway, you can find really good quality turkey at a decent price and it can provide you with like nine or 10 meals 
You know, like you, you might have to take a Sunday afternoon and prep nine or 10 meals, but we have a secondary freezer that we keep in our garage and we have just foil pans. So she'll just throw turkey in like a casserole dish with a couple other things, stuff it in the freezer so that that morning she just pulls it out. You have to put it in the oven, you know, at some point through the day, or you can, you can do even a quicker meal where it's a stir fry or something like that. But yeah, it, it works like by the best and it wasn't me that came up with this. It was somebody who years ago told me this. Yes, but the best was. thing for <laughs> the best thing for meal prep though is buying in large quantities. Like yeah, if you are buying, like if you're going to eat pork Monday, chicken Tuesday, turkey Wednesday, beef Thursday, it, it requires a lot of work. But if you're willing to you know buy a turkey and eat that three of the next five days, for example, it, it really does make your prep life a million times easier. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Any anyone? Yeah, does anybody have any any questions about anything? You can always reach us too, right? Through email or whatever, yep. so we can always. I was wondering what to do with this giant thing of Vega that I just bought. They have protein powder, so it's on the bottom five list. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't gonna say it. Yeah. <laughs> Are you looking at his list, his exact list? No, it's list? a clean label, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. What's on it? Just bottom five is Vega, thirty sixty cut, um, Quest, Nature's Best, Garden of Life. Yeah, like when you go into gluten free, those are probably three of the top five companies that you will see on the shelves in there. Yeah. I don't even know what mine's called. It's like matcha macaroon and it's like I can only find it at one like supplement store and everything, but it's delicious. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, it's good, and my kids like it, and it's, like, we live a pretty busy lifestyle, so I'm like, like, shakes, and off we go. Yeah. But now I'm curious <laughs> to know how it's rated. One of the, honestly, to get, that always sounds so weird when I say this, but if you're willing to try, like, cricket protein, it is probably the healthiest source of protein you can get. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you can buy it. Yeah, you can buy it at Goodness Me. You can buy it at Nature's Emporium in Burlington. Like, there's, I, I know you guys are from all over the country, but Whole Foods sells a version of it. Not the, yeah. Um, there's one company that's from uh, BC called Coast that makes a wicked product, and they make protein bars the same way, but it's just, they almost taste like a Lara bar. Uh, but they're loaded with cricket protein. And if you are, if you're, if you can just get past for a moment the idea that you're eating a cricket, which for me was never an issue, but seems to be for a lot of people, um, it, it's delicious. Like it's, and there's only, I think there's only five ingredients. It gives you a massive amount of iron. Uh, your magnesium and manganese are almost, your B12 is through the roof in that supplement. So there's a lot of people, uh, a lot of people in our society that suffer from lack of B12. And you get, I think it's like 112% of your daily B12 intake is in one uh, serving of cricket protein. And it tastes great. It's like a chocolate flavored protein, but with very minimal ingredients from a natural, natural and sustainable source. So it's it really it's, it's a good product. <laughs> Try it. I was gonna start Try it. Whole crickets. I've done. I've done it. Yeah. Exactly. You can make it. They probably make them. Yeah. I brought a pack of crickets to the gym one day for everybody to try. And uh, like you just eat them regularly. Yeah, they taste like almonds. Honestly, they're just like dried crickets. Everything tastes like almonds. Yeah. They taste like something. No, they do. It tastes like a nut. It's got like a. It's just crunchy and it's got like a nutty flavor, but. Like I don't know. Here's the thing. Like if you are willing to eat a hot dog, 
and yeah. not willing to eat a cricket, yeah. there's something messed up yeah, about yeah. your pattern of thinking. Yeah. Right? Like, if you're not willing to eat an organic <laughs> bug, but you're willing to eat God knows what, you know? From God knows where. Yeah. And it's just, it's... That's good. Yeah. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> you win. You win. And that's why you came. Just to drop. <laughs> just to drop the cricket ball. <laughs> I'm gonna bring those for next. Versus hot dogs. Do it. Do yeah. it. Yeah. Actually, yeah. that's a good idea. Instead of like all the other things we bring in, we're just gonna bring a buffet of crickets. <laughs> all the other people that I have on staff <laughs> tried them, and uh, no one was like, "Oh my god!" Like it, there were people that didn't want to try it and then put it in their mouth, and they're like, "Oh, there's, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing." Yeah. And the, the protein tastes like protein powder. Like it's it's just yeah pretty. you never know yeah, you yeah. crickets in one of the peg I have no idea. Bet you didn't scoop them up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> just yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you. We're just waiting for the pizza to come, so it should be here any minute. But you're more cool. welcome to hang out and chat and ask anyone. Any, well, eat everything. Yeah, everyone's, like, everyone's like, I don't know. Dairy, wheat. Yeah. Yeah, so we just had a, had a question on uh, intermittent fasting. Has anybody tried it? Anybody else yeah. tried it? Yeah. Currently yeah. doing now. Yeah, are you? I do it. Uh, I, I haven't eaten any food today yet. This will be, and I haven't eaten since probably uh, 8 p.m. last night or so. I don't do this every day. I usually try and do it one day every seven or eight. Um, but it does have a, an immense benefit on uh, overall health, anti-aging uh, responses in the body. The major thing that it does is it kind of slows down. Um, it, so how can I say this? It'll make sense. Um, it repair cells too. Like it's it does, body. and bec- the the reason why is because you are when you deprive your body of calories, your body then becomes more conditioned to operate that start starts to fold its proteins a little bit more carefully. Um, and starts a cellular repair process that is very difficult to find or to, to emulate in any other environment aside from fasting, right? So there's a lot of, we don't know as much about the anti-aging effects as we should, but we know that there's enough cellular repair as a result of fasting that it literally can slow down the aging process. And just cultures around the world that you look at that have practiced fasting for you know centuries and centuries have a significantly lower rate of cancers and mental health disorders now having said that in in certain countries that practice fasting mainly uh muslim countries for example uh the data is not as clear as it is in in our part of the world uh and mental health isn't as widely recognized as it is so that could skew the uh, the outcome of any study the result of any study on on this topic but uh we do know like the links to cancers are pretty clear uh that it does help yeah it, is it there helps an, um, so my husband is muslim and so he fasts every year yep um, is there, and it, um, like the last three or four years, fasting has been right through the summer. Uh-huh. So like he'll go sometimes 18 to 20 hours without eating or water. Yeah. Right? So is there, is there like for, for somebody who doesn't practice that religion, is there a time frame of fasting one should consider? Um, Before you start to that typically point. what, what, again, there's, there's, it's slightly different, but it's all around the same. If you look at any study, they'll say it, it roughly takes about 16 hours to get any type of cellular benefit from a fast. So you want to, you want to be fasting for about 16 hours, anything before that your body doesn't respond to it necessarily as a fast. Now, having said that, if you're doing it for weight loss purposes, which a lot of people do, 
um, it can have a it, it can have a really positive effect on weight loss. Uh, however, it things like water, you don't avoid it. Drink water now if it's a religious uh, religious reason, then that's you know far be it from me to comment on that. Um, but if it's if it's if you're doing it specifically for weight loss or cellular repair, uh, 16 hours is typically the golden rule. You do not have to avoid water. What you do have to avoid is anything that causes a glycemic spike, right? Basically an insulin response in the body. So even things like coffee, for example, the way your body interprets it, it you're not breaking a fast with black coffee. You would be with a double-double, for example. You even would be, you wouldn't be with pure nut milk if you made it at home but you would be if you got it from Starbucks because it does have a little bit of sugar and is full of different gums, right? So anything that doesn't cause an insulin response or essentially is a zero on the glycemic index is technically not breaking a fast. So you can, you can drink coffee, for example, you can drink water and you are not actually breaking an intermittent fast. Again, religious uh, fasting, right, totally, sure, different. Sure. totally different. Totally different. But it's still, you still should be mindful of what you're also eating in your window too. Right? You can get away with it's, more within that window, but you should still be mindful people, of like it. Like Kevin McEachern yes, lost a ton of weight by doing that, but he was like, I just eat whatever I want, but my window is like this. And I'm like, oh, you're just piling in like hamburgers and like all sorts of like shit. Yeah, like, it, it, it's, it's a terrible, it's a terrible approach. I mean, he lost, he must be but you can get away with more. You just can within yeah. that time. But like frame. you, you put you put that amount of fat in your body, for example, and the stress on your liver, on your kidneys, on your yeah. digestive system, I like also horrible. Just think the whole mentality of just eat whatever you want it, only in this period of time. When you eat, like you should only eat probably a few ounces of protein at a time. Like it's tough on your body to just be like piling like eight ounces of protein in at every meal. Yeah, your body, hours. your body, depending on the size of you as an individual, that number is going to vary, right? For somebody my size, for example, I'm only going to be able to synthesize and use around 55 to 60 grams of protein in any given sitting. I'll eat more than that sometimes, but the rest is wasted, right? So if you're somebody, for example, if you go out and you have like a chicken breast for lunch, which is gonna be approximately 45, 50 grams of protein, and then you go back and you have a protein shake 10 minutes later, you're drinking a protein, I know that we don't do this, but just for example, if you drank a protein shake with it, whatever you're drinking in that protein shake, it's not gonna do anything. It's just gonna turn into waste and you're gonna excrete it, right? Yeah, but but having said, like eating a ton at once, like I'm a big eater, but, and what I said earlier that I don't care what I eat, you know, for the other four meals of the 21, that's not to say that I, you know, that I will go to Wendy's and grab, you know, three Baconators, for example. I still, I, I'm, I'm so well trained by this point in my life that I just gravitate towards healthier foods, the, the foods that I like to eat. But I just won't hesitate to eat, you know, if somebody served me pasta on the side of my chicken, I would eat it on a day like that. How about counting macros? Um, it, it can Can't. be, a, yeah, <laughs> it, it can be a tremendous weight loss tool for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, the mat, like, like over time you start knowing it too, right? Like you don't have to like, unless you're like trying to go into a show, you don't really have to really count macros. Like I would just kind of get to the point, like if you were like, so you want to do less carbohydrates, like you just reduce your carb intake, right? You would do like maybe like one thing of like sweet potatoes a day with and then vegetables through your other meals right and you know you're getting a very low carb diet right so to actually count your calories again if you want to do it 
I have I have uh, clients count their macros when I have a feeling or a suspicion that they genuinely have no idea what their macro split would be. Right? When you're talking to somebody and you say approximately every day, how many calories do you eat? And they're like, no idea. It's like, okay, well, let's, let's divide this. Let's look at this and investigate this a little bit further. Because the last thing you do is you, you want to do is take somebody who has no dietary approach whatsoever and say, go eat healthy. You know, like, go make good decisions. You have to, you have to give them a little bit more guidance in that. So I don't, I, like, I don't do it in my everyday life because, like Brandon said, I know essentially what my – I could tell, probably tell you on any given day what my split was that day, but I'm not actively thinking about it. It's just because I'm practiced and that's how I eat. Um, but, yeah, it, it, can be, it can be a great weight loss tool to, to, to count – do you guys know what macro splitting is? Anybody? It's basically looking at the amount of – carbs, fats, proteins, and the ratio of each that you're, that you're consuming on an everyday basis, right? But to accurately use that as a measuring tool, you have to have additional information about yourself. Like you need to know, for example, what your basal metabolic rate is. You need to know what your daily energy expenditure is in, com- or in, re- in addition to your BMR. So you can look at it and go, well, on an average day, this is calorically what I'm burning to feel good while I'm doing this, I need to have roughly this amount of carbohydrate in my diet today. So now we can look at it and go, okay, how can we split this appropriately throughout my meals so that I get an adequate carb supply, right? right? Adequate protein and fat amount, protein for my cellular repair, essentially or muscular repair, and fat for extended energy source after I'm carb depleted, right? And then you go, okay, how can we kind of cater this to me as an individual? But you need to have that information. Just counting, just counting your macros or splitting your macros without knowing exactly why or having that target is, is it's kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why were you thinking that? Were you thinking? I work out at F45 and all the people I work out are like, just count your macros. And I was like, this is too much work. <laughs> uh, it feels like a lot of work. You probably have an in-body scanner there, right? We do. Yeah, yeah. so have you done one lately? Not lately, but I have Do one, and she it'll give you. Challenge. It'll get yeah. It'll give you roughly what your basal oh metabolic God. rate the is. The, sour, the last challenge, <laughs> the summer challenge. The summer one <laughs> always goes downhill. Yeah, but get an idea of what your basal metabolic rate is, and then look at how many times a week you are exercising, and then if you wear a heart rate monitor. But even on average for a woman your age, you're probably burning five fifty oh, to six hundred okay. calories yeah, per workout, right? So then you just add that to your basal metabolic rate. You look at your general activity level throughout the day. Right, so you say, okay, so for, I, I'm not sure what your BMR would be, but I would, how old are you? You can tell me. How old are you? 39, okay. So, no, but at, at, at 39, how tall, how tall are you? 39. How tall are you? 5'8". Okay, so at 39, 5'8", you're probably going to be roughly around 17, 17, 50, if not a little bit lower than that in terms of your basal metabolic rate. Uh, but that is also determined by how much of your body is muscle, Right. So it, we'll just say, let's say 1,600 for a nice round number, right? Then you burn an additional, you, you burn an additional 600 calories in a workout, so that takes it up to 22, right? So then just walking around, being at work, walking to your car, walking your dog, we'll say you're probably going to burn an extra 1,000 that day, and with that kind of epoch response after your workout on a day where you work out, it might even be slightly higher than that, right? So then we look at that number, say we're up to 3,200, that's how many calories you burn in a day. 
So this is the most simplest way that you can calculate how much weight loss or project your weight loss. So say we go, okay, you can 3,200 calories in a day. It takes roughly 3,600 calories burned to lose a pound of fat, right? So we look at that and we go, if I only eat a 1,600 calorie a day diet and I'm burning 3,600 calories or 3,200 calories rather in a day, I have a caloric deficit of 1,600 calories that day, right? If it takes 3,600 calorie deficit to burn a pound, if I can sustain this type of exercise to dietary regime, then every 2.25 days, I should lose a pound, right? Now, most of us don't, we're not consistent with that type of schedule, but that's the easiest way to project weight loss. And as long as you're not dealing with a thyroid issue, a horrible hormonal issue, you can almost project scientifically how much weight a person will lose in any given time. It's not a perfectly accurate science, but you could say, if you were educated enough to analyze the numbers, you could say to somebody that, you know, by Christmas, yeah, is it possible to lose 30 pounds? Absolutely. And then your practitioner should help do the math and go, this is how we're going to do it. And if you trust me and you stick to this plan, yeah, we can absolutely have you down 30 pounds by Christmas, right? right? But it's, it's important for you, you know, you as a, a member at a gym or you as a client of any type of trainer or coach, that that coach is giving you information like that if you request it, right? right? Like if they can't help you do those calculations and that math, they probably don't possess the ability to be able to do that or they don't have enough education to be able or insight to be able to provide you with that information. But if you're paying good money for that opportunity, that information should be provided to you. Right. Speaking of nutrition, he 